time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 35 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee, and I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them, too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? It's cold brew again. Yeah, because it's hot. It is hot. If you're a fan of delicious cold brew or hot coffee or delicious scrumptious scones and tasty lunchtime specials and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Well, here we are. It's still July. Last week of July. Right. It's still hot. And I can sing my, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> so turn on all your fans. That's for sure. On your chickens. Yes. yes. We got the box fans going. Right. They're blowing out there because they need it. Yeah. We have oscillating fans in the coops that are on all the time, essentially. Yeah. Buttercup the other day just wasn't looking like 100% herself. Yeah. So basically, it started to get really, really hot. So I took her out and brought some more fans out into the garage and just let her sit in front of the fans. Yeah. And she looked instantly better. Yeah. It's hard on the big fluffy chickens. It is. It's so hard. And then basically, I put her feet in a lot of water uh-huh. and, you know, gave them more melon and put her back out. Now they have the big box fans out there. Yeah. She's doing a little more laying around, but she looks much better. That's good. The yeah. heat is nothing to play around with. That's for sure. No, my Esther, the Jersey Giant, has been laying around a bunch too. Yeah. So just keeping a close eye. She has a lot of shade and cool dirt, but exactly, it's very worrisome this time of year. The heat is, it's hard to cope with. I did blueberries, ice cold blueberries uh-huh. today. I have to go get some more watermelon, but they really enjoy the watermelon. Yes. It definitely helps keep them hydrated and that cold can bring down that internal temperature a little my bit. My girls actually like cantaloupe better than oh, my watermelon. Loves, my they love all of them. Love it. Love it. So I heard that you're going to be doing some landscaping. Yeah, we are doing some serious garden planning. That is fun. So we've been in the new house, what, two years? No, it'll probably be three this fall. Yeah. That'll probably be three years. Wow, that went fast. (laughs) But over the three years, as we've put our sort of homesteady systems in place, we've figured out what works and doesn't work. If it's not grass for the sheep and the chickens, it's not going to be there. We're going to put gardens where all of the grass was. And nice country cottage pathways are always so pretty. Exactly. My favorites are clipped gardens. Cutting garden? Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely have plenty of spaces for cutting gardens, putting in lots of perennials. We are going to work with a designer on this. Yeah, that would be great. Because we really want very permaculture system and we want it to look really amazing. And the one thing I do know is I'm going to put roses in there because I love my roses. We have not had good luck with roses. They're hard. You have to pick the right varieties. We've been in our house, Joe and I and the kids, for eight years. Uh-huh. And we have the back where I'm making the English cottage garden, you right. know, we're talking about on the back, and it's a lot of shade. Uh-huh. So it's hard. Yeah. And what the people planted before us, uh-huh. they were here 20 some years before us. Right. Roses in the shade. Yeah. Roses in the shade is generally not a good idea. No. There's some that tolerate it, but it's not great. It opens them to all kinds of things. So it was, it was horrible. And they put back there boxwood. Boxwood and you, the, the pair of them, no. <laughs> no. We are having our yew bushes removed. The berries are poisonous to the yeah. sheep and the chickens. Yeah. So that's where we are. And I just got back from the beach from a few days. I went to refuel for a day or two with uh-huh. the girls. Ella went with her besties family for nice. two days, had some fun, but got sunburned. 
Sometimes you just need to go look at the ocean for a day. I'd love to go look at the ocean for a day. I mean, it was a lot of driving, but yeah, yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Good. So before we move on to our next segment, there are just a few things we wanted to mention. If you are a fan of our show and you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or not even listening to us there, and you want to leave us a written review, that would be greatly appreciated. The reviews go a very long way. Yeah, they're really important. They help us grow the podcast. We also have a Patreon page. Yes. Where you can sign up one of our three tiers of membership, become a patron of the show, and get some great benefits. One of them includes a bonus episode every month. Yes. And if you do the top tier, you do get a one-hour happy hour with us. It's true. Once a month. And it's so it's much fun. fun. Yep. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then most definitely. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. By the way, did you get your July box yet? I did. And I absolutely love that hanging treat feeder and the beaded rooster bracelet that I'm wearing everywhere. Just the cutest. I am in love with that brown sugar saver. It's saving my sugar from the hammer already. I love the Mega Box. There's tons of useful products in there for my flock and a chicken t-shirt for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. You're going to love them. Yeah, the boxes start at $39 a month. They ship out immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get your box. Get off the nest and click already. Chickenlove.com. Chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. So. Now we're ready to move on to Breed Spotlight. Yeah. 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 I kept it short and sweet. Though. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Our breed this week is the Houdan chicken. Houdan, Houdan, Houdan. Yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really say the chicken without doing that. I know. I've heard you say it many times over the past few days. Like a million times. We love the Houdan. We do. Every time we talk about it, I have to say that. It's, and it's modeled. That's one of our favorites. It's modeled. That's one of our favorite things. We love a modeled chicken. They also have beards and crests. They're calm and gentle, and they lay a bunch of eggs. How can you go wrong? Perfect. That's a perfect chicken. The Houdan was developed in the village of Houdan. Well, of course. In Normandy, France. Actually, it's correctly pronounced Houdan. Lots of sources say that the Houdan is related to both the Crevcore and the Polish chicken, right. which makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. They are one of the oldest French breeds. They're at least several hundred years old. Yeah, they're an older breed for sure. They also have five toes. We love those five-toe chickens. Right. A lot of scholars say they may be related to the Dorking or yes. the sort of Italian prototype relative of the Dorking that was written about in early Rome. Right. If you want to hear more about the Dorking, you can listen to episode 22. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one. Yes. The Houdan was historically bred and raised for both the London and Paris markets. Oh, neat. Standard size birds, the hens weigh about six pounds. Okay. Roosters weigh about eight. And as I said, they're good layers of white eggs. The mottled houdan is black with white spangles. It has the crest and beard, and it has a V-shaped comb. Now, this was interesting. Apparently, in the past, the V-shaped comb was more of a butterfly. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. The legs are black and white mottled. They have characteristically wide nostrils. I think you find those on the Polish as well. Right. And when they're hatched, they have visible crests as chicks. Wow. Pretty cute, yeah. They have white earlobes and small waddles that are mostly covered by that awesome beard. They seem very interesting looking. They are, actually. Yeah, they're really neat. I mean, I'm not usually a fan of the V comb. Well, it's on the Polish, and you love Polish. I love Polish, but 
it's not as like it's not visible. It's not as visible. Yeah, the Crev Core has it as well. The Crev Core has it really highly visible. I think it depends on the individual bird. So we've read that they like it dry and sunny, that they don't do well in ice and snow. So they're more a heat hardy kind of breed. Like the Crevcore, I think that ice and snow and all that crested beard is not Oh, good. yeah. You don't yeah. want that getting all stuck in the feathers. And and you also want to, like any other bearded crested chicken, you want to keep an eye on the bearded crest check for mites occasionally. They're probably not ideal for free ranging because with all of that feather action they're happening. They're going to have a hard time seeing. Exactly. I and mean, you probably want to check them periodically to make sure they're not feather blind. So they oh, you yeah. know, are getting enough to eat and they can keep themselves safe. I mean, they're a beautiful chicken. And like the Polish, they're going to need a little extra care. Right. They really will. And a little more grooming to keep them so that they can be happy and healthy. You want to be able to make sure they can see. Yes. So clipping those feathers around the eyes. Yeah. yeah. Giving them a little ponytail could be cute. Uh, you could, really. You I mean, could. You and really need to make sure that they can see. It's really important. And because of that, you don't want them outside unsupervised at all. Right. And honestly, a chicken like this, I wouldn't mind doing a little extra maintenance because it's sweet, beautiful, yeah. and lays really well. We talk about chickens like this. They're companions. Yeah, definitely. They're not just going to be chickens in your backyard laying you eggs and that's it. If they're related to the Polish, they're definitely going to want to be all over you and sitting on you. And- yeah, they're supposed to be very calm and gentle. They are considered a dual-purpose breed. Yeah. But I think they're very useful as well as ornamental. Oh, yeah. Houdans were first imported into England, where they were sometimes known as the Normandy fowl. Mm -hmm. They were imported about the 1850s, and then they moved along to the U.S. in the 1860s. They were accepted into the continental class in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1874, which was the original printing, right? Yeah. An American breeder began developing a white strain of Houdan by crossing modeled Houdans with white Polish. Wow. And that color was accepted by the APA in 1914. Okay. So still a pretty long time. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, not, I mean, when we're looking back at the history of chickens, 1914 really isn't a long time it's ago. It's over 100 years at least. Yeah. You know. I mean, if it's long enough. According to the Livestock Conservancy, Houdan roosters are quite ardent. Wow. So they are quite the lover and they require a large flock of hens. Wow. Yeah. So they're drinking their orange juice. Apparently. <laughs> something. Eating their grublies. And, you know, the hens aren't setters. Right. They are quite fertile, though. So if you want to breed them, as you said, they don't set. So you nope. need an incubator or a broody hen. Yep. The houdan is currently classified as threatened on the Livestock Conservancy's that Culture Conservation I'm surprised about that one. That they're threatened? Yeah. yeah. I guess there's more breeds of chickens out there. And everyone has to kind of take a look sometimes at chickens they may not know about. The heritage breeds. And some of it comes down to they're just difficult to find. Well, this one is a little bit more difficult to it find. It's definitely more difficult to find. There are no actual Houdan clubs in the U.S. that we could find. We did find them at the poultry swap, though. Yes. There was a breeder there who had them. Yeah. 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 If you're willing to, if you go to the poultry swaps, if you go to the shows, finding a breeder. You can always go to the Livestock Conservancy's breeder directory to see if you can find stock and hatching eggs that way. Yeah. Several of the major hatcheries carry pet quality. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the breeder that you were talking about. He had a lot of really cool breeds. He was the one that you wanted to see. Yes. I remember you were like, I need to find this breeder. Yeah. And that's why I remember that he had the Huda and it was like. I have to see this chicken. I was tempted. I was tempted because I like them. <laughs> but I knew at that point I really wanted to keep space for the Nankins. Yeah. He also had Jubilee Orpington. Yes. Yeah. Gorgeous. If I were just randomly picking out chicks, the Houdan was in front of me. I would. They're cute. Yeah, absolutely. I really like them. There are a lot of good things about them. I happily have them. Ha, my, ha, ha. I'm myself a fan of the model chicken, even though I don't have any yet. Me too. I love like, them. 
I think they're beautiful chickens. I think the colors of them go really well. Yep. They're, they're spangled. How can you go wrong? Yeah. I mean, like you said, how can you go wrong? Like they're not simply dark or real light chicken. They're just unique looking. Right. So this is one of those chickens that is going to be super sweet, huggable, lots of eggs, you said. Yeah. Like the Polish. That's yeah. why I was surprised I was threatened. Yeah. Because if it's sweet and laying eggs, it's something that you would want. So, hey, check out this chicken. If you're in, you know, a moderate climate area yeah. and that it's not going to be in like a really cold climate. Right. If you want a lap chicken, this might be the way to go. Yeah. Okay. I think it's about that time that we go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing this week? Really good. I am getting ready for Cinnamon to leave the chicks, but she's not there yet. The Do you remember Rowan, one of our other hens, yes. um, hatched eggs at exactly the same time from yes. the same set of eggs? Well, Rowan's left her chicks. She's gone. Yeah. See ya. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they're all independent now. They were all a bit bemused by the whole process, but it normally happens that it's very quick and the chicks get a bit confused and follow mum back to the main coop, but she's not having any of it. But within two days, yeah, they just go into their coop on their own. They're perfectly happy. It's, they're it's like, not like See sending kids off to college or university. <laughs> they really want them to go. <laughs> They it's don't like keep look, coming home with their washing. Yeah, I taught you how to do these things. Now you have to go do them and we're done. Was Rowan one of the first time moms? Yeah, she was. She's done incredibly well and she's back on lay already. Oh, wow. So, yeah, she's laying eggs every second day. And the strange thing is her eggs look very different. Before she brooded, her eggs at the pointy end had extra calcium deposits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we could always tell which were hers. And they were very light colored eggs. Now that she's brooded, her eggs are significantly darker and they're perfectly formed. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's in preparation for the brood. They kind of get that way. I don't know. I'm hoping that they stay beautifully formed. And yeah. actually, it was an aberration before the brood than afterwards. But yeah, I've not had that before. I've not had chickens that have that much calcium additional deposits on the outside of the egg. So Rowan was a little bit of an anomaly in that. Right. Um, okay. But it's quite nice that it's disappeared after the brood. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. That definitely sounds great. So how much longer do you think cinnamon will stay with the chicks? From past experience with cinnamon, there's no run up to it. So with Rowan, okay. we could see two or three nights before that she was thinking about it. And it would take her a bit of time to go into the coop. She wasn't quite sure what she wanted to do. Okay. With cinnamon, from past experience, she'll just decide, right, that's it. I'm off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one day she'll start pecking the chicks when they want to come to her. I mean, at the moment, she's shown no interest in them whatsoever. They're already mm -hmm. at the... Over time, they gradually become more independent. Right. And now she's at the stage that she's just doing her own thing and the chicks might happen to be there. Or if she decides to have a sit down, they will kind of puddle around her is probably mm -hmm. the best description. <laughs> wow. But she's not calling them for food. She's not feeding them anymore. She's not calling them to her. So she's quite nonchalant about the whole thing. But there will be one night where she just decides, right, that's it. I'm off. Okay. <laughs> wow. I mean, that is sink or swim right there. She's finished. That oh, yeah. is like, I've taught you all that I can teach you. Get out there in oh, yeah. the world and do your thing. 
So on this week's Birdie Report, we wanted to answer a few questions that are commonly asked by people who have been hatching eggs and kind of wondering what's going on with the chicks. So our first question, what about the chicks at this point who are chest bumping and trying to make a pecking order? Is that what happens within the brood at this point? Oh, yeah. And actually, from a much earlier age as well, as they start to grow up, you'll start to see the first roughly about two weeks. Actually, Willow, her chicks are two and a half weeks at the moment, and they're already starting to experiment with a little bit of chest bumping. Right. Uh, Staring matches is a really common thing, which then goes on (laughs) to chest bumping Um, (laughs) and maybe even a little peck on the head. But the hens do it as well as the cockerels. So. I know that a lot of people think, oh, I must have all cockerels because they're all behaving like this. And it's not the hens do it too, because it is about finding your place in the hierarchy. Exactly. It's that pecking order. And people sometimes need to understand that hens need to find the pecking order just as much. You could have all hens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes hens are even more brutal than the boys at right. this point. Barring is not attached to a sex of your chick. No. Perfectly no. natural behavior. I know you get your chicks and they're all sex to be hens. Right. And, yeah. You know, you'll see this with their behavior as well. And what's interesting is it's completely instinctual, isn't it? So even yes. if they don't have the flock like we have demonstrating pecking orders, because our chicks go into the main flock very, very early, really mm-hmm. just after 24 hours. It's not that they're watching other people's behavior and copying it. It's just completely instinctual. Whether yes other hens or chickens around at all Mm -hmm. yeah i mean they want to know who is their number one who's going to be the chicken that they're going to follow it is completely natural for them to be doing it you don't have to separate them it does not mean you have all cockerels they'll be just fine and it's entertaining it can be really cute (laughs) it's so cute it can be really cute watching them spar and yeah yeah we were sat having coffee earlier today watching the chickens and one of the chickens was sat fast asleep on the floor, head under wing. And one of the other little chicks ran up and just bopped it on the head and ran away. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't heavens. even stay. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. It's so cute. Okay. So the second question, someone asked, the little chicks are jumping on their moms. Is this normal behavior? Yeah, I would be surprised if my chicks didn't do this, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's almost like it's their safe zone for understanding how they can maneuver. And actually, they're learning that their wings work for a start and they can right. get a little bit of height. And they start by jumping on their mother, their brood hen. And I think it's just they're trying to discover how to maneuver and get around. And it's a safe space for them. So mum becomes a climbing frame. Yeah, I think that's everywhere across the board. Lambs do that too. You <laughs> yeah. see, you see lambs yeah, on the mama do, sheep all the time. Yeah, they'll and jump goats. off of her. Yes, I saw yes. some little kids recently j- jump on the back of the the mother goats. Oh, it just it was so adorable. You it know, really it's so is. cute too. So awesome. Cute. I mean, look at what happened oh, there with all the mamas. The they hang the off of hanging off of mama. She yeah. has to carry all those babies around everywhere. Yes. I mean, mom is always <laughs> a safe spot. So yeah, I mean. That's mom. They're going to jump on mm-hmm. her. It's completely natural. I'm going you know? to have to look that up now because obviously we don't have possums in the UK. Oh, you so have, have to. Oh, boy. It's, it's so cute. It is ridiculous. Sometimes like, you'll see mama going across the road and then the babies and her tail will be up because they have that sort of rat tail, that long yeah. curly tail. Yeah. So she'll go by with her tail in the air and then all of her babies in single file behind her 
with their tails in the air. It's ridiculously cute. And then other times she has to carry those bamboos everywhere. Hanging off of her. Hanging off of her. (laughs) And you're like, good Lord. Now that sums up being mom right there. That's a devoted mama. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to have to look this up now. I really am going to have to look this up. It's so cute. So our third question is one that we've received from a guest of ours, Kate from Maryland Farm Girl. She asks, her broody hen, the chicks are growing up, but she's broody again. Is this possible? Can this happen? Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) yes. It does depend on weather conditions because the normal process for most hens is they will brood. In the UK, it would be just after the equinox. So it's in spring when the days are roughly the same amount of times nights and then you'll get the same thing with the autumn equinox roughly about then will the go brood a second time but depending on the weather conditions you can have and we have experienced this and i know this is what merlin farm girls got as well that the hen makes the chicks independent the chicks go off to do their own thing two weeks later Broody again. Now, Frankie is the one who's done this to us before, but that happened when the weather conditions were, it was very warm last summer. And the hormones which come out of the pituitary gland, which cause the chickens to go broody, needs it to be very warm temperatures because they need to know that the chicks are going to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. So, that flood of hormones can happen again, but normally you get maybe one, maybe two eggs before they then brood a second time. So raise the chicks to independence, send the chicks off to do their own (laughs) thing, lay a couple of eggs, brood all over again if the weather conditions are right. Oh, it's hot as blazes here. So (laughs) it's hot as anything. So So she might get a third brood at this rate. Oh, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Kate, you better be ready for some chicks. Yeah, I think I said this to you before that Frankie, when this happened before, we didn't give her eggs a second time around. So she didn't actually raise any chicks. So she tried to brood a third time, and then she tried to brood to brood a fourth time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yep. She is determined. If, but if we'd given her eggs, I swear she probably wouldn't have, because she would have to raise them before mm-hmm. she went to brood again. So yeah. we probably would have been okay. So that was a mistake. Okay. So, yes, those were the questions that we wanted to get some answers from Fiona today, because you know all this stuff about broody hens. It's your thing. <laughs> So, yeah, all these things seem to be natural behaviors. No worries. Everything seems to be going well if this is happening for you. So we're staying across the pond this week. That's right. We're lucky because we get Fiona for not only our brooded report, but we are going to have a roundtable discussion with Fiona for our main topic. Parasites and poop. Yay. Oh, the poop ladies right <laughs> again. Yay. The poop we, ladies are back. We've, had, we've actually had listeners reach out to us. More than one listener and say, can you talk about parasites and can you talk about poop? Yes. And so here we are. Don't eat your lunch right now. <laughs> yep. And you'll be fine. So we're going to talk about common parasites in chickens, mm-hmm. what to look for and how to treat these and what you should do yeah. if they're posing a problem. So where should we start? Well, the most common parasite generally here in the U.S., Fiona, tell us if it's the same for you, is the roundworm. I would argue here in the U.K. it might be gapeworm as well as roundworm. Roundworm is very common, but I would would say gapeworm probably too as well, particularly in the rural areas. Okay. Okay. And that's what we were thinking earlier when we were all talking was that that could be the most popular over in the U.K., 
Um, Gape worm is not really well known among chicken keepers either. That's true. So it's something that you should know about if your chicken's sick. We have repeatedly gotten questions where chickens were having some respiratory distress. Mm -hmm. And we've had people send us photos and videos and say, is this gape worm? Gape worm looks a lot different. Gape worm looks very distinct, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And actually, if you, if in the the chicken's beak and have a look down their throat, you can normally see the little worms, particularly in the evening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's not pleasant. That does not sound good. They have to be treated. What yes. I find interesting is I've been asked a few questions about is the scapeworm, and actually it's the chickens just trying to move things from their crop. Where they, yeah, yes. So they're stretching their neck upwards, and you actually see them. They look like they're gasping, but they're not. They're physically trying to move the muscles to exactly, and that's a normal behavior. Yeah, yes. trying to kind of clear that crop area. So you know, it's always a good thing to know what these things present as so you know what you're looking for and we always say poop in chickens is very important and that we still say it is the roundworm is usually visible in poop it's one of the few parasites that's visible you know it when you see it it looks like spaghetti yeah kind of yeah yeah you can get other worms with little segments in there as well so it looks like little eggs on your poop too delightful really lovely Yeah. yeah So again, yeah. look at the poop. It really does tell you a lot about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we talk about this all the time about how important the poop is with chickens, but it's your first clue that something could be going wrong mm-hmm. on many different facets of the chicken. So if you see blood in the poop, which we didn't mention is coccidia, yeah. right? Those types of things, they're going to affect the poop. And then that's what you're going to notice. So roundworms can visibly affect the health of the chicken. They can stop the chicken from absorbing vitamins and nutrients because the they way steal they need them. to, right? They can lose yeah. condition really quite quickly, yeah. Yes. Lethargy is another thing if your chicken is acting very quiet and say it's just a normal day, it's not super hot, not super cold, and you're noticing lethargy in your chickens, it could be a possibility of a parasite. Mm-hmm. There's always that beautiful hunched up pose that they do as well when they're not feeling particularly well, that if it yes. gets very bad, you can see that too. Yes. So gape worm, not as common here in the US, more common in the UK, it's spread by pheasants. That's one of the problems in the, the rural areas that we've got because we free range our birds. We do have pheasants, which are released in the local area. So we do mm-hmm. have them around and the pheasants, I'm not entirely sure why pheasants particularly, but pheasants apparently do spread the parasite uh, quite readily. And if one of the pheasants happens to get into our field, they can poop and obviously then can potentially spread the eggs of the parasite and our chickens could get it. Yeah. The other way that I was kind of under the impression that gape worm can spread is via other animals eating also the poop and then the chicken turn around and eating those animals like slugs yeah i used to let my chickens a long time ago eat a slug or two Mm -hmm. no more never ever if a slug's going to be along the ground and eat anything that a wild bird will drop also that is then going into your chicken so it's the same it starts from the pheasant then goes to something else is the carrier then the chicken eats that and takes it in there is this whole myth oh, my chickens, they're in this great run and coop. They're never going to get worms. Every chicken has the possibility of getting worms because they peck at the ground unless they're completely enclosed in a building 
and no wild birds are anywhere right. near. Birds and other animals carry these things. It can yes. be present in the dirt before you even built your coop and Exactly. Rod. And there's no shame in finding out that your chicken has this. It's just something that naturally can happen from them pecking at the dirt and picking up the microscopic parasites that are down there. Right. Yes, but it's spread by slugs, for example. They don't even have to dig or peck at the dirt because no. if a slug gets outside the run, all it has to do is move through the wire into the run and your chickens will pick it up. So it's so easy. Yeah. So we also have sequel worms. They can take a toll on chickens, but my understanding is sequel worms are a lot more damaging to turkeys because they spread something called blackhead disease. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of times you'll see the advice that if you are ranging your chickens, don't range turkeys in the same spots. I don't know how practical that is for people, but apparently the blackhead disease can very quickly kill your turkeys. I have heard that from a friend of mine who does farm turkeys. Okay. It wasn't something I knew about until I got to know this person who farms turkeys. I must have nice. I mean, at least it's good knowledge to have. At that <laughs> yeah. Point. Yeah. The other common worms are hair worms or thread worms. And they're another worm that can really make your chickens look unthrifty. So you notice the yeah. condition mm-hmm. going down. They really want to be looking themselves, don't they? They, they really, they their do. feathers really start to look completely unkempt. It's almost like they haven't brushed the hair in the morning. That's another first thing to notice. All chickens preen. They're going to preen yeah. when they feel good. And this is yeah. across the board, small animal, everybody. They groom themselves when they feel good. The first thing an animal will stop doing is grooming. Mm-hmm. They don't feel well You're enough to do it. I wish I'd brushed my hair before we had Your this hair looks beautiful. Perfect. Your hair looks beautiful. No, it's, it's fishing it's, for the compliment. Fishing for the compliment. <laughs> So these different signs to look for in your chickens can clue you in to, hey, maybe then I should start looking in the poop and seeing if I see anything. So that brings us to our next fun activity, which is fecal egg flotation. Yes, I've done a million of them. I'm sure you have too. So that means gathering poop. Some of us are equipped. I mean, I have a microscope. I won't say I'm great at counting fecal eggs, but I can do it if I have to. I know you're an ace at it. I've done like a million. No, if I see anything like that, I get my <laughs> flubin vet and I there treat them. So the average person is going to have to gather some poop and take it to the vet for a fecal egg count. For a flotation. Yeah. And what happens is there's a solution that basically is kind of like salt water. Mm-hmm. And the poop is kind of mixed with it. Either- <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so fantastic. <laughs> this is a great lunchtime podcast. <laughs> And then it floats. So you put a cover slip on the top and you let it sit. I hope everyone's listening in the car when they're driving and they're not sat at their desk with a sandwich. It sits in there for 10 minutes. The philosophy of the fecal flotation is that the microscopic eggs in the salt solution are going to rise to the top of your cover slip. So then you take the cover slip and you're going to put it on a slide. And this is what the Mm -hmm. vet tech or the veterinarian is going to do for you. You're not going to do it. You're just going to have to collect it and take it in. Right. And then you look at it under a microscope and find out which eggs of these worms are in the poop. And then deworm a cork. Right. They can tell you which dewormers will work for your particular chicken's problem. So that's one way to go is to go through your veterinarian completely. Yeah. A lot of times you need to have that relationship with your veterinarian and say, hey, I want to bring in a fecal float if it's positive. Can I have the dewormer or do you need to see the chicken for an examination first before the dewormer? You can also deworm once or twice a year. 
Yeah, you can do some prophylactic deworming. Yes, that's very common in the UK. And I was actually going to ask you if you prophylactically treat your chickens. I have not. I don't know that there's any hard and fast reason why not, other than I've been a wool farmer for so long. And with the sheep, especially, but the llamas and alpacas, you only deworm as needed because you're always worried about parasite resistance to your dewormers. I don't think that's as much of a problem with chickens. I don't think so either. So a prophylactic deworming, probably in the US, they would recommend a spring and a fall deworming. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And actually, I take that back. I used to do seasonal deworming in previous years when there was a dewormer on the market called Wazine. Super easy to dispense. You could put it in the flux drinking water for a day, done. But that's been discontinued. Since then, it's been discontinued. You can no longer get that anywhere across the board. So now the next step would be to get Safeguard, which is a broad spectrum dewormer. Right. The common name is Fenbendazole or or Panicure. Panicure. Right, right. And that treats in both chickens, small animals, everything, a plethora of parasites, including hooks, rounds, whips. This is a good thing to use on your chickens. I kind of feel like if I'm going to deworm seasonally, I would want to do it when it's not egg season because there is an egg withdrawal. And you're doing right. it again. Right. You have to do it once, again, 10 days, and then you have 30 days. The reason they do spring and fall is because that's when the major temperature changes right. are. That's where right. the temperature changes But when are. you're talking about chickens, obviously that's the height of lay. Yes. That's the height of lay. So, but you know, I've been talking to veterinary friends here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of them told me about six months ago that twice yearly was no longer recommended. It's actually okay. annually is recommended. Nice. And that, okay. that's when we do ours. We do ours in March because that's before the breeding season. So we've got the core hens yes. and the breeding cockerels. So we've got a small number and we can treat them all at once. But here in the UK, we've got flubidamol. I think it's fluvinet a- here. It's sold under the brand name of uh, Flubinvet. But the wonderful thing about Flubinvet here in the UK is you can get layers pellets coated in it. Nice. Oh, that is great. You just empty out your feeders. You put the layers pellets with the coating on in and you just feed that uh, on its own. No treats for seven days. That would be fantastic. I love that. We do not have that. And while I'm a big fan of the Safeguard, the Fembendazole, you have to dose individually. Yeah, so you're going to be doing every oh, single man. chicken yeah, and then every single chicken in 10 days Which and then is a 30-day egg one of the reasons because of the discontinuation of the wazine and because of my paranoia about resistance because I have sheep, that's yeah. probably one of the reasons that I've gone to worm as needed. It's not I'm terribly not hard. to be quite honest. That's really involved. It yes, is. it is. But the good thing is you can get it in capsules, but now you can kind of get it the goat form right. in liquid. That's what I use. So liquid. it's easy to put in a syringe. If you're good at giving, this is why we always say handle your chickens as much as possible. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then each chicken you hold on your lap, you give them the dose, you put them back down. Yeah. So it could be a little time consuming, but a it lot. could be worth <laughs> to do it once a year even. And I could see starting at the end of February, beginning of March yeah. before the major egg laying, mm-hmm. but it's warming up a little bit from that the would winter. Be a good time, I think so. Yeah. So that you can do it to get through. We'll actually stick a link to that liquid safeguard for goats on our Amazon storefront. Yeah. So you can find it quickly. Yeah, that's my go-to. It's a quarter of a cc in the beak. They swallow it, finished. It's not hard. And all of my chickens, I can basically hold. I can do most of mine. Yeah. I mean, they're going to fight me a little bit. The powder (laughs) capsules I've done before and kind of put in bread, open the capsule and put the powder on the bread and then they eat the bread. It's a little bit more involved, Mm -hmm. but 
I like the liquid because it's so easy. The liquid easier. is super easy. It is. Yeah. It's and much we all easier. know bread is like a drug to chickens. So. Oh yes. my God. It is totally their drug of choice. <laughs> so they're like gluten fiends. They're like, oh, give they're me this. for it. I know. They love it's it. crazy. They love it. Do we want no, to talk either. about this thing in the UK? And I actually looked up the herbal tonic. I won't mention the brand. I looked at the ingredients. So it's got cinnamon, garlic, thyme, peppermint, fennel, cleavers, nettles, slippery elm, quassia, which is extracted from a certain bark, and elecampane. So all of it's herbal and plant related. Okay. And it actually is sold. And it says this. I thought it was just an urban myth amongst chicken keepers, but it is actually sold as a wormer. It's a big thing in the UK, I have to say. There are electronics out there which are listed as actually being used to restore and maintain gut vitality as a wormer treatment. And we want to kind of warn a little bit against this because we believe that this can be used as a preventative measure, but not to treat a load of intestinal parasites. No, they will not kill a worm load. I personally see it as very good to maintain gut vitality. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's great to keep your chickens healthy. But the only things which are going to kill worms have clinical evidence to back them up. And I exactly. have been looking. I've gone out of my way, actually, knowing we're going to be recording this segment. Because a lot of these treatments are actually listed by the manufacturer and the seller as being a wormer treatment. And... They don't actually kill worms. Only thing that's going to kill your worms are those with clinical evidence to back them up. Exactly. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I'm happy to look at any clinical evidence that's put forward, but I cannot find any clinical research which says worms will be destroyed as a result of these treatments. Diatomaceous earth. People think that you can give that internally. I've seen both people giving it to their chickens and other livestock and eating it themselves. The problem with diatomaceous earth is that as soon as it's wet, it no longer has the desiccant property that kills various critters. It's got to be used with such care because it is a carcinogen. Yes, Yes, yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that we talk about is everyone saying, well, I give my chickens pumpkin in the fall that acts as a dewormer. That can definitely prevent a very small worm load say they bite into a worm and the pumpkin at the same it time it helps with gut health it, it helps, helps with, with gut health all those things what i've read is the seed itself the casing everything right. in the pumpkin seed they have to take down the entire seed right and i do give pumpkin to my chickens but it's acting as a preventative mm-hmm. now i had thing where when drew had the leg injury she was stressed she pooped and a roundworm came out i remember that phone call very yes. well and i'm like okay <laughs> She's got roundworms. I'm not going to instantly go to a natural dewormer at that point. I Like yeah. Fiona's saying, I want to go to something that is proven to kill a worm load. You go to Safeguard, you go to the vet, do a flotation, and they give you the proper medications. There's a reason yeah. why they are there. To me, if it's proven that your chicken does have worms of some kind, if you're seeing evidence of eggs, if you're seeing evidence of worms in the poop, you have to take a course which is going to absolutely kill those worms. Because the preventative, wonderful, fantastic, it's wonderful for the gut help of your animals. I'd probably say, yes, it does discourage a small amount of worms from taking hold. But once the worms have hold, the chickens can go downhill so fast. It's just not worth playing with. 
And if you have a chicken who is already stressed by something else, or you have a hen who's becoming elderly, their immune system isn't as strong anymore. And a worm load can definitely wipe them out very quickly. I want to say when I started with chickens 20 years ago, I tried all of these things. I really wanted to do the natural way. Most of us do. Yes. It didn't work. Here in the US, it's a safeguard, which is Panicure, basically, mm-hmm. which is a broad spectrum used in small animal used across the board. To large animals, yeah. And large animals mm-hmm. is available to you over the counter. Over the counter, right. So I know in the UK, it's not. I believe it's what's called a pharmacy-only medication. So yeah. it's got to be sold by a vet or a qualified yeah. person. And here mm-hmm, in the US, indeed. it's available over the counter. So you can order it on Amazon. You can order it on Amazon. I keep it on hand yeah. in case I have that where I walk out and I see something that doesn't look right. If my chicken's not looking right. The only harm in deworming is that there is an egg withdrawal. Right. So you have to know your egg withdrawal because you don't want to be taking in the dewormer and the eggs. And I believe it's a first dose, second dose in 10 days and a 30 day egg withdrawal. Yeah, that's right. For safeguard. For yeah. safeguard. To be fair, I think the fact that the medications for worming in the UK are licensed can put off some chicken owners Mm -hmm. because of the potential cost of going to a vet. But the wonderful thing about the Flubin vet that I mentioned earlier, coated on the layers pellets, there are lots of online sellers who you fill out a veterinary questionnaire online and then a vet rings you before the item's dispatched. Okay, so nice. they That's ring great. you and write the prescription out on the phone and nice. then the item sent you. That's how we get ours. We get ours from an online store. And the service is amazing. And the vets are just so lovely to talk to. That's awesome. Like you said, people get discouraged if they're like, okay, I have to go to the vets for this. Some of the dewormers, especially here in the US, you don't have to. The best case scenario is that you do investigate and make sure you're treating for the right thing. Right. That's the whole thing. You want to make sure you're treating for the right worm. As we said earlier, treating prophylactically once a year is absolutely acceptable. That's a great way to go. The value of the fecal flotation is, as Chrissy said, then you know exactly what worm you're treating. Right. Like Fiona pointed out earlier, if you see a chicken that's unthrifty to the point where it does not look well, that really is the time to act. That's the time where you need a genuine anthelmintic dewormer right. that's going to kill this worm load. Yes. Natural yeah. can honestly be a death sentence for your chickens if you try to go that Natural way. Natural is what you should be doing as every a, day as a preventative. As a preventative, exactly. So yeah. if you're doing these things, you're trying to prevent the problem from happening or becoming a very large worm load. If you already have a large worm load or if the natural remedies aren't keeping it at bay, the medications are needed. They're out there. They're readily Mm -hmm. available. And it's a good thing to look at. There's another problem, coccidiosis. Right. That's the protozoa. And it can be affected from your one-day-old chick all the way up. And that's when it's most dangerous Mm -hmm. is that one-day-old chick. It's Corid in the US. Fiona, what is it in the UK? I think it's Corid as well. It's Corid as well. Okay. Yeah. So it's sometimes referred to as a coccidostat. So you take that to kill the coccidiosis protozoa. Not an antibiotic. It is not an antibiotic. And proleum is the, yes. the common name for it. And the way it works is it blocks thiamine. The protozoa <laughs> needs thiamine to function. And the corid or amproleum will stop the protozoa from being able to absorb thiamine. Amproleum is normally, the, the only time I give it is actually in the medicated chick feed. Right. Right. Which um, is in the chick feed in the beginning. 
it's already in there. And what's interesting is actually it doesn't actually say amprolium, even though it's amprolium that's in there. It always says prebiotic. Really? Like Arch just says yeah, medicated. Find, yeah, it says prebiotic, which I find really fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. That's, no, yeah. ours just says medicated feed. Medicated feed. And if you look yeah. on the label, you'll see that it's amprolium, but that's exactly what it is. It's a yeah. coccidostat. Signs of coccidiosis, that classic hunched, you know, very sick looking yeah. chick. They'll have very liquidy diarrhea. Blood in it. It will progress to blood. This is not something that you can watch and see. Poor appetite, not preening, those types of things. Corrid, it's available over the counter in the US. In the UK, is it available over the counter? I don't think it will be available over the counter. I think okay. it will actually have to be either a PNED or a POM, which means it's either got to be by prescription from a vet right. or be sold by a suitably qualified person. I can't say for definite because I've only ever given it through medicated feed. Now, mm-hmm. I get it in liquid form. And then there is a formula to figure out the dosing according to the chick's weight, the chicken's weight. Right. Both the liquid and the powder, they're both very easy to use. I've used the powder historically. I couldn't find it this time around, so I actually have the liquid in my kit I right like now. I like the liquid. I have the liquid in mine. I'm kind of old-fashioned. I like my powder. But either way, it works just fine. If you have a chicken with coccidiosis or suspected coccidiosis that you're treating, you do need to treat the whole flock that is in with that chicken. Oh, yes. yeah. It's very contagious from very chicken Very contagious, chicken. yes. And it's contagious through the poop. And that's why if you have one chicken that shows up with parasites, you need to treat all it's an interesting point because I do get asked a lot that either they've seen eggs in the poop or they've got a, a chicken with coccidiosis symptoms. And I get asked, well, I've separated them, so that's okay. I said, well, no, you still need to, to treat the entire flock because right, right. when it became infected, it was in with a flock. So absolutely for the health and safety of the entire flock, please treat all of them. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, already absolutely. it's already done ride or die. So yeah. everybody's yeah. kind of already on board. So there's no need to even separate. Just treat the entire flock. When my Brahmas were little pullets, caramel started having bloody diarrhea, which was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so everyone went on the court and I did not separate her, both because everyone needed to be treated right. and because it would have stressed her enormously and she's already yeah. so sick. Yeah. And let's just put there too, you need to clean the entire area. Run floors are kind you of do. difficult to clean. Let's you do need to try to clean up as much as you but can. But if it's in a brooder, the coop shavings, everything need to all be cleaned out. Use a poultry safe disinfectant when you yes. do all of this. When we had the avian influenza scare during this winter, mm-hmm. I had one guy contact me who was going to use Dettol to <gasps> disinfect his Oh brand. my goodness. Oh my. I wouldn't disinfect the ground. What I would just do is clean out the entire coop. And I use, and Holly Ann uses the same thing. We make our own scented vinegar disinfectant and it's completely 100% natural. It doesn't kill every single thing. It's pretty darn good. It does kill the majority of pathogens. If I need to do a heavy duty clean, I either use Novosan, mm-hmm. uh, veterinary scrub. Surgical scrub. Right. I have used pine yeah. saw when that was the only thing I had. But with pine saw, you need to let it air out and dry completely. It has to be completely rinsed. Yeah. The Novosan yeah. is not as... Yeah. caustic so that's a much better option yeah, if you can get it that's what we've used too yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. novasan is used every single day to scrub people and to scrub small any right. kind of animal Surgical. for mm-hmm. surgery so um, it's very safe and in yeah. the u.s it's not as easy to find in small animal stuff go to a large animal supplier like right. jeffers yes jeffers.com you can buy it there yeah you're talking about the antiseptic spray the or gallon the size gallon, yeah yeah the yeah. gallon size where you make your own spray bottle 
it's very safe. I myself just use a scented vinegar. I take white vinegar and I add orange peel and cinnamon and vanilla and it smells great. I think I want to move into your coops now. They (laughs) sound like they smell amazing. (laughs) So yeah, it's hard. If you get parasites, you don't want to feel bad. It happens to all of us. Right. Every single one of us has had a chicken. Absolutely. If they get in the grass at all, they're going to get parasites are a part of life. I mean, there's no shame involved. We all completely understand the desire to want to treat these naturally. But we are strongly recommending that you go with the medication. Something else to note about poop and parasites is that a chicken with parasites does not always have diarrhea. No. It can depend on a lot of things. So we're going to talk a little bit more about poop and abnormalities and some of the questions that listeners and viewers have asked us. The one Um, that Fiona was talking about was urates. Yeah. Tell us about that one, Fiona. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one. And I actually, I ended up having to correct a vet. And I thought this was actually quite embarrassing because I was at a, an agricultural show. Oh boy. And there was a lady who was a new chicken keeper in the poultry tent. And she was asking a friend of hers who was a vet with her. Right. We were talking and she said, oh, that chicken in that uh, cage over there has got a lot of white in the poop. It shouldn't have white, should it? And his response was, well, it's clearly not drinking enough water. I, I must tell the owner that they need to provide more water for the chicken. And actually, the white indicates urates. And yes. <laughs> a chicken just poops. It doesn't have a urine stream. Exactly. Urates come out in the poop and it comes out as white right so if you don't have white you should worry yes exactly (laughs) yes or if you have nothing but white continuously that's a time to worry but normal poop will generally have that white urate cap on it yes the urate's right there he was a large animal vet okay trade not a poultry or an avian vet that's what everybody needs to understand is there's no separate pee and poo It comes out together Mm -hmm. and the urates come out as a white color on the poop. And that is normal. Another thing that scares new chicken owners is shed intestinal lining showing up in the poop. To be fair, that's a scary thing to see. It is. It is. It is scary. Absolutely. I totally get that. I freaked out over it. Yeah. And so we're going to share with all of our lovely listeners one of our favorite tools. (laughs) We're going to (laughs) have as we're all smiling and laughing. It's the poop discussions. Yes. Well, there is a fantastic resource that was put together by some UK chicken keepers, and we're going to have it linked in the show notes, and it is the chicken poop chart. It can be your best friend. It is literally. <laughs> it really literally. Is. chicken keeper, it's a fantastic yes. tool. It it's is. It's amazing. And it's literally photos of different kinds of poop telling you what's normal and what's not. Yes. And it's a great resource because they have a few different shots of shed intestinal lining. And as soon as you look at it, you know that that's what you've seen, say, in your nest box or something like that. It's normal and it's okay. We encourage you to check out our show notes and go look at the chicken poop chart. I don't know if this is on the poop poop chart, but if you feed your chickens red cabbage. Oh, Oh, yes. Yeah. Don't be alarmed. Their poop is like all different colors, like rainbow coming yeah. out. Like don't we had be excess scared. red cabbage in the in our allotments over <laughs> this last winter, and obviously, <laughs> you know, the chickens got a lot of red cabbage, and there was purple poop yes. everywhere. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like you have to think back. 
back, you're like, what did I give them? You know, the cicadas did that too. The cicadas made this almost reddish brown color to the Yeah. Plant. The first few times we saw it, we were like, what is happening? But it yeah, was 500 the, cicadas coming through. Yeah, it was the, <laughs> the delicious cicada feast that the chickens had here on the but, East Coast. But yeah, so they will take on the color sometimes of foods like that. Mm-hmm. Red cabbage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's going to come out looking purpley. Don't be alarmed. One of our last questions was from someone who just has a hen or two that just has chronic loose poop. It can be caused by a lot of things. Yeah. I've had that happen. Oh, yeah, this winter. Yes. And we you were, did all the steps. We did all the steps. We took fecal samples in and they were all negative. And so we really weren't sure what it was. I ended up treating with Corid for a week just mm-hmm. to do it. I dewormed. Things did improve over time. Right now, I'm seeing some of the same things again, but it's hot. And in the heat, your chickens drink a lot. And so you will see say. more. Yeah. yeah. So that's we've, the We've thing. got a cream yeah. leg bar who, I mean, as soon as the weather warms up, all it has to do is get to 17 degrees and above. And little Lennox just drinks mm-hmm. and drinks. Yes. Yeah. And drinks. And it's runny poop all the time. And here's the other thing. Remember, if you're giving your chickens right now in the summer, watermelon and melons and berries, Mm -hmm. those are all essentially water. So you're going to see diarrhea. Do not be alarmed at that point because they're drinking so much water and it's going through so quickly that they can't process it to make it a solid food. So different things. Chronic diarrhea can be scary. The other thing is if you're seeing chronic diarrhea, a vet could be your next step. Yeah, definitely. That was my stuff. They can take an x-ray and make sure everything looks good in there. They can give you other dewormers if necessary, like Holly Ann. They do flotations where they check for the intestinal parasites. And then they can direct you for other foods that might be available to help this or if there's something dietary that's doing it. As I say to a lot of people who ask me questions on this stuff, if you're in any doubt at all, consult a professional. Yes. Yes. Just do it. I mean, right. it's sometimes not very expensive at all. And I think sometimes that scares people. No, I mean, my vet charges $25. Yeah. And then the for medicine. For flotation. Exactly. For the you whole know, thing. So it's, it's worth, worth it. it. Heat not only causes drinking more, causes a little more stress on the body. Yes. So the stress yeah. is another thing. If your chicken's stressed over anything, mm-hmm. you're going to see some diarrhea. But the poop chart can be your best friend. Yeah. Look it really, all the it different really is fantastic. The poop chart's amazing. It's <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to message us. Or you need help finding a vet. As always, message us. We will help you find a vet. We will help you. We do look at poop pictures sometimes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think at least twice a week, Chrissy sends me a good morning picture of poop. (laughs) I do. I do. I was thinking, you know, is there a book in this? The chicken poop book. There could be. There's so many things that you can learn about the health. And when you think about it, across the board small animal large animal and people that type of thing can tell how your body is functioning Poop can be the keys to the kingdom oh i wanted to say one more thing when we were talking about coccidiosis just a note if you have gotten chickens or hatching eggs that have been treated with the coccidiosis vaccine don't feed your chicks medicated feed right and we did put that on our Chicks 101. That is in Chicks 101, yeah. right? That but, podcast, but we wanted to series. just get that out there. Yeah. There's so much to learn and there's so much involved in all of this. Feeding them good, healthy foods. That's all good prevention. You can do all of these things 
and then go out one morning and go, <gasps> oh, you know, the one there's we, a worm in the poop. The one we didn't yeah. mention, and we're all big believers in this, and we definitely used it, is apple cider vinegar in the water. Yes is not a dewormer no it will not kill a worm load in your chicken and please don't put it in galvanized drinkers which i see so many people do on a regular basis it reacts with the galvanized Mm -hmm. coating yeah that is good in moderation once a week to cut down on the bad bacteria load that's in the gut it can help with a lot of things to take away your good bacteria and then you're going to have some problems too much actually can give them diarrhea yes exactly so we do it once a week in the water but it doesn't deworm. It doesn't kill sauerkraut either. Not a bad case. It cuts down on any kind of bad bacteria that you have growing in there anywhere in the chicken. It's a good preventative. It helps with crop pH, those sorts of things. And with vinegar, it's your old natural standby. You can (laughs) use it for almost anything. Right. All right. Have we answered all the poop questions? I I think we've pooped out. (laughs) 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 Once again, if anybody has any questions, any concerns, you message the poop ladies. Yes, any of the three of us will you know, try I'm our so best. I'm so glad I'm not on my own as the poop lady now. Thank you. <laughs> really Sisters in poop, right here Yay. with you. <laughs> as my goddaughter says, we're not the poop ladies. We're the cute ladies. We are the poop ladies. There oh, she calls us the cute ladies. Super cute. Thank you, Fiona, for this month's round table. It was fun talking about poop. It's always fun talking about poop. Always. <laughs> Always a good time. Always a good time. We'll talk to you next week for the birdie report. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. All right. We just want to say thanks to Fiona one more time for a fantastic roundtable discussion. Yes. Thank you, Fiona. Okay. So now it's time for the cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. So I'm going for another fruit dessert this week. Yes. Well, it's that time it's of It's summer. Year. Yeah. Cherries and blueberries. So we're doing a blueberry buckle. A buckle is like a very moist coffee cake, except that the blueberries are put in the dish. Okay. And then the batter is poured over. Okay. Kind of like the clafouti a little bit. Right. The streusel topping is put on last. So you layer your fruit, you pour your batter over, you put your streusel on. And it's called a buckle because the blueberry juices bubble up and the batter rises, but the weight of the streusel topping makes the rising batter buckle around the topping. Right. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like a cobbler. It's similar to a cobbler. It is. I mean, yeah. and cobblers, I always make anything that's in season. Mm-hmm. I make a cobbler. Oh, yeah. You delicious. get like so much of them. Yes. But this is like a different version. Well, the thing with it, I wanted to do a it's cobbler. It's moister. It's yes. And I wanted to do a cobbler because I love cobblers, but my recipe doesn't involve an egg. Right. And I really didn't want to take on the task of trying to develop a recipe and yes. make an egg fit in there. Exactly. So we just went with the blueberry buckle because it does use one egg. So this is basically like a cobbler with an egg. Kind of. I think there's more batter. Yeah, which makes it moister. And there's the streusel topping, which is just delicious. Right. We liked it best with fresh blueberries, but you can use frozen if that's all you have. So you want it to be... You want this to be very juicy. Okay. Yeah. Because the fruit juices are going to bubble up around the topic and make it buckle, as they say. So you can't have it too watery. I don't think so. I think it will cook down. Okay. Yeah. As always, we include variations for gluten and dairy-free. Yes. Because celiac disease is real. <laughs> People, it exists. Yes, it exists. People in my family have it. Yeah. Lots of my family, too. As we said, this only uses one egg, but you can actually double the entire recipe for an extra big buckle. <laughs> it just sounds funny i know it does but hey it smells amazing it's delicious it's like a cobbler it's good with ice cream or a little whipped cream yeah exactly 
You can't go wrong with it. It's a quick recipe. The hardest part really is you're you're making the streusel. Yeah. Which takes a couple of minutes. It's, right. You know, other than that, it's creaming the butter and sugar and adding the milk and the flour. You right. Know, pretty standard batter. Right. Recipe. Smells amazing while it's baking. And voila, you have a summertime dessert. Yes. For after a nice salad or something. That sounds good. Yeah. So now we should move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. As everybody's been watching us, they know we're kind of crazy about this box. Yeah. And it's called Chicken Love Box. I don't know if everybody's seen on Instagram. We have had openings of our boxes. And you can't see us now, but we're wearing the t-shirts. Yeah, we love these t-shirts. We love these t-shirts and we love Andrea's stuff. So we wanted to bring Andrea on today to talk with her how she got started with the love boxes. (laughs) Hey, Andrea, how are you doing? Hey, guys, it's good to be here. I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on with us. It's so great to meet you. (laughs) We've been working together for a while uh, via messages and email, but it's so great to actually see you and meet you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and you guys look super cute in your t-shirts. Thank Thank you. (laughs) I mean, it has a chicken with a bikini on it. Like, she's super cute. I really love this. I know. I know. It's so cute. (laughs) She's sassy. (laughs) We've been known to be a little sassy ourselves, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, Andrea, why don't we start with how you got started with chickens? You have chickens, correct? Well, it's a funny story. I live on nine acres in the country, and I had a city slicker move in next door. Well, she was there about three months, and she got a chicken coop. And she had probably six chickens, I guess, and she was traveling for the weekend. And she gave me a call, and she said, would you mind checking on my chickens while I'm gone? So... Long story short, I rode the golf cart over and, (laughs) you know, fed the chickens and she said, they'll be free ranging during the day. So if you wouldn't mind just closing the coop door at night, you know, right before dusk. And I'm like, how do I get them in? She's like, oh, they know to go back in. So I sat over there. I went early and I sat over there on the golf cart and I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch these chickens go back in. So I sat over there probably an hour or more watching these chickens and I didn't realize how relaxing it was and Mm -hmm. fascinating. So that gave me the bug and I came home and I told my husband, I'm like, I need just maybe three hens. (laughs) That's how it always starts. (laughs) Yes. And that's how it began. And I'm like, fresh eggs, fresh eggs. So, and he reminds me of that story. He's like, what happened to just three hens? You know, because I've had over 200 at one time and (laughs) now I'm down to 50 ish. And that's all I will admit to. So fair enough. enough. Chicken ladies are always told never to give an exact number. So no, we should never count. You hear that, Pete? Never <laughs> count your chickens. That's right. So, so that started the chicken bug. We ask everybody this unfair question. Yeah. What's your favorite chicken? Oh, gosh. Okay. 
I would say right now my silver lace polish are my favorite because Ooh. they have rock hair. Yeah. Um, you know, my rooster is Rod Stewart. So. Oh my <laughs> goodness. That's awesome. You know, he's got the spiky. He's got the spiky. Oh my too, gosh. And, yeah. So love that. it. Love, love it. it. My, I want to get some Polish. That's like on I my wish on list. list. I know they're on my list. Oh, I know. And I have some frizzle in that group. Oh too. my goodness. Uh, they are quite fancy and cute. They're very fancy. Holly Ann I want to get a frizzle. I never told you you couldn't have a frizzle. I know she yeah. didn't. So <laughs> no frizzle to frizzle because that makes frazzle and frazzle is bad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the chicken bug started with chicken sitting. So then where did yeah. you come up with the idea of the subscription of chicken love boxes? Because I mean, it well, is so great. Well, there's a couple of other chicken boxes out there, but they concentrate more on chicken supplies. And I really wanted to add things that cater to the crazy chicken lady in all of us. And so I wanted to add things for the flock owner as well as the flock. So I just kind of started researching different chicken items and chicken themed items. And oh my goodness, as you can tell from the boxes, there's just about anything and everything you can find. There's a lot. Yes, yes. And if I could fit some of these things in the box, I mean, it would be amazing. But, you know, I can't have a tractor trailer pulling up to people's houses with deliveries. (laughs) That would be something to see. So the bracelets are so cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love those bracelets. And my brown sugar stone is already in my brown sugar. Uh-huh. Yep. Awesome. The stuff yes. that you have put in is so cute. And and I love even the treats for the chickens. I love the samples. And we said it when we opened oh, it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's good to try something yeah. first before you're going to spend 10 to $20 on a bag of treats. Absolutely. You're to right. know that they're going to eat it. So yeah. it's a great way. And then your t-shirts are amazing. Oh. And I love making the shirts because, you know, they're supposed to be fun lifestyle tees. So mm-hmm. I get so many compliments when I wear my chicken shirts out and, you know, people love them. Even people that are not chicken people, they're like, oh, I want one of those. And I'll, I ask them, do you have chickens? And they're like, no, but I still want a chicken shirt. <laughs> a chicken shirt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, the baseball tees are phenomenal. Um, they're our absolute yeah. favorite. We yeah, love those are awesome. Yes. We love and them. And we will go back to some of those in the fall, back with the three-quarter length sleeves, but it is mm-hmm. it is hot, hot, hot in Alabama. Oh, right? yeah. And that's why the yeah. chicken on my shirt has a bikini on right now, because it is hot, hot, hot out there. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a fun thing. And you know what? As being crazy chicken ladies ourselves, to get that box every month is amazing thing to open up and then something you can share with your chickens because, it's, hey, it's a fun lifestyle. It's fun to get packages in the mail, too. It's fun to get it's packages fun. from the mail and it then is. to have them for you and your chickens. Yeah. The dogs yeah. are a little jealous, but hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, There's it's a part- voice buster box for the dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Do you, so do you have other boxes available besides the chicken love box? No, no. Just, <laughs> just the chicken love box. Just the chicken love box. Yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with the name Chicken Love Boxes? I was like, well, 
it's for chickens and I love chickens. So, you know, it just, it was kind of easy. <laughs> the two things just went together. Loves, so yeah. chicken love, the design on the box is so cute. We keep our boxes and use them for little stuff around the house. So you can't go great. wrong. And it's amazing stuff. Andrea, do you have any special boxes? Do you just do the month-to-month subscription or are you planning to have like holiday boxes as well? There will be a holiday box coming up. We'll probably Mm. put that out in late October, early November-ish for the holidays. Full of Christmas goodies. Oh, oh, man. Can't wait. Yes. Yes. And on the website, we also have a mystery box right now, which is just a collection of kind of past favorites and things that are good for a gift. But we also do the subscription box. You can sign up to send a gift, which is a lot of fun. That's a nice and gift chicken, to give chicken That is really great. Yeah. I love it. So why don't yeah. you tell everybody where they can find you? You just go to www.chickenlove, and that's L-U-V.com, chickenlove.com. And you can email me. My nickname is Happy. So you can email me happy at chickenloveluv.com. And you're on Instagram also, correct? And Facebook. I'll put links to all of your contact information in our show notes so people can find you more easily. And if you want to get a little sneak peek of what's in the boxes, go to our Instagram and you can see us opening up multiple boxes on there and get a firsthand look at all the goodies and the amazing things in these boxes. I have to say the treat hanger in the last box is one of my favorite things ever. Love that. It's amazing. You can't go wrong with it. No, (laughs) no. So we just want to thank Andrea for coming on and talking with us about chicken love boxes. Do yourself a favor. Check this out. Go check it out. It's It's amazing. It's happiness in a box. Thank you, Andrea. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Yeah, next week is fantastic. We are talking about the heritage breed New Hampshire chicken. Oh, yes. We have a really amazing interview with Penny Pennington Week. Oh, this was so much fun. Yeah, Penny is fantastic. We're going to we talk about Penny. chicken lady garden style. Love Penny. We're going to do a recipe for baked Alaska. So yummy. Fancy oh, my gosh. Fancy. One of my faves. And then our retail therapy is Grubly's new layer crumble. I, it just came out. Just came out. And we're trying it. We're yeah. going to let you know what we think. Exactly. Okay. So what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.